Thanks for calling Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. We're in the St. Jerome Parish, conveniently located in the Sentinella Adobe Corridor, right next door to the Korean United Methodist Church. Leave a message and we will get right back to you. Thanks. Hello, Denny. It's Vladimir calling. How are you, my friend? I tried to call you earlier on Secure Line, but uh, for some reason you don't pick up. I don't know. Maybe you have new president now. Maybe you don't like to talk to Uncle Vladdy. I am disappointed. But I want to bring something to your attention about the video you put up on the sports stories. Uh, it was about the so-called miracle on ice. It is a mythology perpetuated by Western media. Everybody knows the Americans cheated in this one. It was rigged. It was fake news. So I am hoping that maybe you will see fit to uh, issue a correction uh, about this egregious mistake made by Sports Stories by Danny Lennon. It would be a good thing to do, I think. Uh, it's up to you, of course. I don't know, maybe something will happen to your internet where you cannot put up videos anymore. Yeah, it could happen. Something to think about. Das Vidanya. I'm guessing you've heard the phrase, that's a hard act to follow. That phrase comes from old vaudeville, where there would be a stage variety show with multiple acts. As a performer, you did not want to come on stage after a particularly impressive act. The audience would expect something even better, and if you didn't outperform the act preceding you, vaudeville audiences had very creative ways of letting you know they were not pleased, like booing and throwing food at you. Ozzie Smith played shortstop first for the San Diego Padres and then the St. Louis Cardinals in the 80s and into the mid-90s. A first ballot Hall of Famer, Ozzie was a 15-time All-Star and a 13-time Gold Glove winner. He led the Cardinals to two World Series, winning the championships with the Redbirds in 1982. He was as exciting as he was talented, and the Wizard, as he was known, would often do a front flip when arriving at his position and the crowd would go nuts. A guy who has that many accomplishments, goes by the name of the wizard, and does a front flip for the crowd is definitely what you might call a hard act to follow. But that's exactly what Royce Clayton had to do. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians, and welcome to audio, video, podcast number 80 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. We continue with our baseball-themed shows as MLB opens this month, and isn't it great to see some fans in the stands? I am pumped to be going to a Dodger game next week. A Southern California sunset as seen from the top deck of Dodger Stadium with a Tommy Lasorda slice of pepperoni pizza, a ballpark blonde draft, and my family with me is one of the great pleasures in life. Another great pleasure of my life was coaching, which I did for a long time. And I had the opportunity in the late 80s to coach a future big leaguer when Royce Clayton was at St. Bernard High School in Playa del Rey, California. I mean, my role was pretty much just hitting ground balls to him, but it was still very cool when, in 1988, he was drafted straight out of high school as a number 15 pick overall. 
Royce having to follow Ozzie Smith in St. Louis was tough, but he became an MLB All-Star in 1997, so I'm guessing that the Cardinal fans didn't throw food at him. Marley Rice is producing this episode from the Buck Studio in the Sentinel Adobe Corridor, so let's get to it. Here's my interview from September 18th with MLB All-Star shortstop Royce Clayton. It's time to bring him on. If I'm not mistaken, we're going to shoot up the coast to Malibu, and we're going to see the head coach of Oaks Christian High School's baseball team, the MLB, the All-Star, the World Series champ, and he is Royce Clayton. Hello, Royce. Hey, Danny. How's it going, buddy? That bring back any memories? Oh, man. A lot of memories real quick. Uh, a lot of different uniforms, but uh, yeah, it's just, just surprising to uh, look back and see how quickly it went, but I was warned by so many veteran players to say, hey, kid, it's not it's just going to fly by, and it surely has, but I, I, I have to kick myself and, and remember that I did play because now everybody walk everywhere I walk around, people just call me coach. So <laughs> yeah, right. Your, your coach or, or your kid's dad, you know. That's that. That's that, that, that you wear it though. You wear it, 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 it with pride, of course. How'd you like us uh, digging deep and finding your senior photo there? You like that? Yeah, I was like, man, I, I don't know if I would have drafted that kid. He was a little thin <laughs> and a rough around the but. You know, it was, a, it was a good time to come out when I did because, like I said, I, I think I was like 170 pounds wet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, let's bring back in Jake Downey. He's my baseball expert, Royce. So if there's anything I forget, he remembers. And um, I think he actually had an opportunity to interview you for a prep show. Is it, Jake? Uh, you know what? Um, in addition to that piece that I did with Ozzy where I got a shot of you, Royce, in the dugout, uh, you and I met at the – uh, an Oaks Christian football game a couple of years ago with Otis Ruching, uh, who was uh, one of my yeah. boys' uh, youth coaches. Yeah, and, absolutely. And we, we talked about a, a, a professional baseball league that I've been working on, uh, the GBL here on my shirt. Oh, okay. Uh, the Global Baseball going? League. But I, I know you meet a million people. But anyways, it's a pleasure to be on the show with you. No, it's a pleasure. Pleasure's mine. How's that league coming? It's needed. Uh, uh, still pushing it up the hill. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this little uh, COVID-19 virus, <laughs> yeah. but that seems to be getting in the way of uh, just about everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we kicked the can down the road, but uh, we're still trying. Good. Yeah. You know, um, Jake did that piece, uh, Royce, and uh, we're going to eventually get a, a chance to get back into your St. Bernard days and then move forward. But I would imagine there was a lot of pressure that you had to feel having to replace Ozzie Smith, even though clearly – you know, you were an established pro by this time and, and were the guy for the spot. Yeah, it was a real uh, strange time for my life, uh, personally, not just my career, because um, anybody that grew up with me know I was a tremendous Ozzie Smith fan as well as I'm sure uh, most most shortstops, aspiring shortstops at that time were. Uh, but I was over the top. My mom worked for TWA. At that time, it was the only way that you could get anything because they were stationed in St. Louis. Mm. So their, their hub was in St. Louis. So I would I was able to get memorabilia from uh, Ozzy. Oh, uh, right. him. Uh, I mimicked everything he did. I had videotapes. So it really uh, set the, the the ground level for my career as far as a shortstop. So um, when I was traded over to, to St. Louis, it was it was surprising to me for one. Uh, for two, uh, my question is, well, what's going to happen with Ozzy? <laughs> yeah. You know, they, I knew he the wizard was over there, and you know he's taking care of me as a kid coming up through San Francisco. Uh, but my my conversations with Tony were just reassuring that they brought me over there to play, and um, you know they expected me to come in and fill that position. 
but obviously Ozzy had other plans when I got there. He didn't he didn't want to retire. He didn't retire, and uh, it became a pretty big controversy that was like an opinion poll every single day. Um, I'm probably one of the very few players uh, that was booed at home every time yeah. I dug out. Um, but at the same time, I always look back at that um, situation and it was a personal growth process for me. It made me very resilient. It, it brought me to the point where I felt I could handle any situation. Uh, and the biggest thing I talk about that season is that it was my first playoff experience. Hmm. And, you know, that team was up three games to one against the Braves. So hmm. it's just, it just really brought me to a point of unselfishness because everybody wanted to talk about Ozzy. I was a little disappointed that, you know, it was about Ozzy and he, he didn't have a problem making it about himself. Uh, but from that point on, I know I'm kind of skipping around, but from that point on, from a personal standpoint, I, I wanted this. Uh, I made a pact to myself to put team first, uh, always try to help a young player, uh, and that helped me stay in the game as long as I did. I, I uh, th that's kind of why I brought on Jake. Jake, I wanted you to apologize for whipping up all that sentiment against Royce. That wasn't cool. And <laughs> you Believe me, every, nobody was on my side. It was like I was just a byproduct of the punching bag. <laughs> you know, I have to say, Royce, and, and it, it's interesting to hear you say Oh wait! Oh, oh don't. I, <laughs> I did. Sorry, Rice. We have this thing oh, on the show where we, where we throw people off the show, and I tried to get them to like start talking, but I, we didn't mean to. Go ahead, Jake. Sorry about that one. Um, it, it's interesting to hear you say that that you got booed at home, and that it, you know you you. It seems like you had some tough skin from having been in the big leagues and uh, having already established yourself, so that you kind of knew that the, it wasn't personal, that you were, you were just kind of the other guy and it really didn't have as much to do with you as it did with Ozzy, even though it's got to be hard to uh, get that kind of noise in your own home park. Um, but uh, I see what you mean about personal growth. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is a shame that, you know, players don't get to pick when they leave the game. Um, <laughs> and so uh, to see a great player like Ozzy uh, struggle with that, uh, is is tough, but it's also tough on the people around you. And I don't know, did he have any words of wisdom for you? Were you close when you were with the Cardinals, uh, or did he look at you as the other guy? No, that was that was the disappointing part. I don't want to get too too far into it, um, but that was the disappointing part for me because, like, I the only thing I I look back and and say about the situation uh, from a baseball standpoint is I watched him prepare every single day, so. You know, I said, if I do these types of things, I can have that same type of longevity in my career. But as far as anything that he had supportive to talk to me about, pull me aside, you know, that, that came from my other teammates, Willie McGee, uh, Gary Gaetti. Uh, you know, I had a lot of guys pulling for him in my corner, which was important for me because everybody else seemed to be against me. Um, but the other part you said is not personal. I will say this, after the season, we lost game seven in Atlanta. My father went to go see my grandmother. And my dad and I are very close and it seemed as if, you know, every every game, every pitch, every situation, he was going through it with me personally. And uh, he went to go see my grandmother and unfortunately had a stroke. Ooh. So I think that culmination of what I was going through personally and, you know, what he felt, it just hit ahead. and. You know, after that, it became personal to me because I told the, the, the Cardinals, like, look, 
I got another year before I'm a free agent, but there's no way I'm coming back to St. Louis. And um, I played out the half of the next, the following year, and was traded to uh, Texas. But uh, from, a, from that point, as a player, you can take things personally. Um, for me, I, I did. I'm not saying it was, the, there's no wrong or right decision. It's just my decision that I made. And it, it, it sometimes things in sports become personal. That one time is, is one of those situations where it was something personal where I wasn't coming back to St. Louis. Jake, uh, I noticed that your dogs are bothering you. Uh, you know, there it is. See that? That's how we get rid of people, Royce. Wouldn't do that to you. You're our lead guest. I do that to our sub, our, our bench guests. That's what we do. Um, uh, Royce, I want to throw back to um, to your St. Bernard days. Uh, now, I know, I think, uh, you, you know, you, you grew up in the area. You, I think you're born in Burbank. You grew up in the area. But one of the things I found interesting, I think when you're a kid, were you around Harvard Park a lot with uh, the days of, like, um, Daryl Strawberry and, and Eric Davis and so forth? Yeah, so so I grew up in Inglewood. I was just born in Burbank, but I grew up in Inglewood. And her, I got wind, like, my junior year in high school that, you know, most of my favorite players that came from L.A. were all working out at a, a park in, in South Central called Harvard Park. So uh, me being the kid I was, such a baseball uh, just fanatic, I went down there, started watching those guys, eventually went out in the outfield, started picking up baseballs, uh, shagging for them, and, one day, Eric Davis invited me to go go ahead and hit. It was almost dark, but um, you know they were they were kind of they were kind of impressed and said, "Hey, if you keep coming out every day, we'll make sure you get ground balls, take ground balls." And man, Barry Larkin, Bick Roberts, Chris Brown, all these great players were out there. So I was just in, in, in a you know in a dream almost, and um, that paved my professional career as well because I was able to see how these guys prepared. Um, really have the types of conversations uh, that were necessary for me to understand what was what I needed to do to make myself a, a prospect, uh, give myself the best chance to be a big leaguer. And uh, the program is what we call it. And the program was, you know, the foundation for me being the, uh, not just the type of player I was, but, you know, just understand the community and uh, what it meant to be a, a African-American player uh, coming from L.A. at that time. Yeah, and you know, it, it was interesting time because I graduated from St. Bernard in 82 and there was always such a good, you know, mix at the school that represented mm -hmm. like Los Angeles a lot more than some schools did that were, that were you know, much more segregated or, or positioned just around their community. And um, St. Bernard, you know, when I was going there pumping in basketball and not bad in, in baseball and okay in football, but just killing it in basketball. But during the time when you were there, I mean, we had others like... Um, I'd come back to coach a little bit. So I was coaching the JV while you were on varsity. But, I mean, Pat Ahern yeah. and Danny Melendez and was it Tim Williams? Or Tim Williams was uh, – Tim Williams. Yeah. Tim Williams, Frank James, Mike yep. Parks. Yeah. Uh, we won you – know, we went to Dodger Stadium my junior year. Should have won it. Yeah. Uh, but we would win league consecutively. Uh, so we set the foundation for, um, you know, greatness when, like you said, St. Burns was known as a basketball school. Yeah, it was. Um, that's, uh, oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. You know, I, I got up there to coach football, and this guy had, had retired from the LAPD, and I saw yeah. him recently on the OJ um, thing, and so I quick took that shot. But anyways, I got some shots of other people in here. Now, I think that's Pat Ahern pitching yeah. uh, in, in in the league, and he he was quite a player coming out. So I, I meant to shout out Bob Yarnell there. He was a lot of fun. And then Dan yeah. Melendez, he was another uh, big hitter. And one of the things I always found interesting at um, St. Bernard was that was 
that left field fence, right? Yeah. And you got a yeah. chance, obviously, to play for the Boston Red Sox where you dealt with the green monster in left yeah. field. And that must have been some flashbacks from, from St. Bernard days. I think I rolled a little video of that, too. Go ahead. Uh, what, how about the play in, uh, at, at uh, St. Bernard's with that left field fence? You know, it was it was a good experience. It really shaped my swing because, you know, I realized that it was going to be very rare that any pitchers were going to come inside. It was everything was away because everybody was uh, worried about that short porch and left field. So, you know, I developed the swing because I knew that pitchers were pitching me away where I would just shoot for center field gap and shoot to the right, right center. Yeah. And basically had to block myself the, of that wall on that on that short porch. Um, which, you know, <laughs> for the type of swing I had. But, um, you know, we got a lot of grief about it, especially other teams that will come in and say, oh, we're going to hit a bunch of home runs. But, you know, again, on the defensive side of the baseball, I told my pitchers just throw them away. And, and I had put out after pull out. <laughs> yeah, you did. They just roll over the baseball. And, you know, I was there to support it. And, you know, really, you know, with uh, Bob House, the way he, he worked on the infield, we had a great infield. Yeah. So I uh, had Mark Holcomb over at third base and you yeah. know, really the foundation of how we won championships because that, that fence had a lot to do with it. Yeah, it, it did. Um, so roll with either one of the videos. I want to show you some stuff that's going on. So I was over at St. Bernard and and look at this, Royce. They're redoing the football field, which was long right. overdue. Right. They're putting in this um, this this beautiful new field. And look at that scoreboard out there. Uh, and, and so I think I also have some pictures from back. In uh, the old days, Royce, when, when I played there, um, oh, wait, I just want to show you how hardcore I was at St. Bernard's, Royce. Um, <laughs> just want to know who you're dealing with. That's me on screen right, uh, velour shirt, and I'm, fl <laughs> I'm flipping off the camera like a hard, like, you know, I came, I came strong, Royce. I came strong. I see that. I yeah, see that. you know, that's what you do in high school, like a, like a stupid freshman. But um, I think we got a football shot here which it used to look like. So, no, anyway, so then I went over to the baseball field, and obviously they're letting the grass grow in the offseason here. But there's that left field fence, kind of that famous left field fence out there. Uh, yeah. And that's some – see, there it is. That's just digging yeah. in, getting some journalism. There it was. And then this is the new scoreboard on the football field, which is spectacular, nice. right? Look at that. I don't know if you've been by there recently, but I figured you'd trip out on it. And uh, so that's the old scoreboard back in the day. Yeah. So this one should be a little bit better. That's that guy came strong back in '82. You could tell, right? <laughs> he went by Dennis back then. He all business, no Denny in those days. And this is me probably throwing up. I don't know, just a clip inside of a thousand. You could tell <laughs> probably from my legs that I could probably do you know twelve fifty if I needed to. There's my boy right. Marcelo. Yeah. So there you go, Rice. Little trip down memory lane. Memory. Yeah. Awesome. But, so so um. It's 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 great that the school you know continues not only to function but that they're they're making those capital improvements. Yeah, that's great. You know, um, I was extremely honored when they retired my my jersey. Yep. I think they followed up with uh, Tim Williams. So uh, there's a couple of guys you know uh, that are well deserving, like you said, Pat Ahern, Dan Melendez. But you know, it's just you know that tradition that that we started with the baseball program. St. Bernard's in the community, not just in Play Del Rey, but throughout right. LA had this great tradition of, you know, academics, um, athletics, excellence. And um, I'm, I, I know that, uh, you know, they've had some, some rough years previous, you know, uh, some years back, but it's good to see things are starting to come back and always supported the school. And, 
um, you know, St. Burns is needed in, in, in the community for sure. Hey everyone, Marley here. We are so proud to have secured a new sponsor. My organization, welcome to the SSDL family. Hi my friends, I'm Maya, founder of my organization. I mindfully align inventory. From kitchens, workspaces, bedrooms, and more, I find joy in helping people like you get organized. By bringing a peace of mind and alignment to your life, and by creating functional systems that work best for you. My organization has four pillars, process, purge, prepare, and perfect. These are essential to getting your inventory mindfully aligned. Schedule a consultation today and let's work together to get you organized. So uh, before we get to uh, your gig now as the uh, head coach out at Oaks Christian, ask you a few questions about playing because you, you, you got an opportunity to play in a lot of different places um, in the major leagues. First question is, like, what was that? You, I think you played in maybe 10 places in, in your 16-year career or 17-year career, but what's it like moving each and every time? Or did you keep one central location? Or, like, what did you do with your stuff? You know, it really wasn't that bad. When I was single, you know, I just made – I bought a home when I was with the Giants in uh, Scottsdale. We had spring training in Scottsdale. Yeah. So okay. my first home in Arizona. It's an interesting story because Tim, Tim Salmon lived directly behind me. Oh. Reese Gonzalez ended up moving down the street. So it became like this baseball. Yeah. Tom Candiotti lived across the street. Okay. In like this cool little softball neighborhood if we ever put together <laughs> a team. Yeah, uh, I, say. I would always come back because I'm such a golf head and Arizona was my brother was out there. My mom and dad spent a lot of time out there with me. So I would just that was my home in the offseason, okay. regardless of where I played. So it wasn't okay. until I played in Texas that I actually bought a place uh, where I actually played. I had a condo there, mm. uh, got married and, and, you know, had the triplets. And so that condo became uh, out of the equation and, you know, the rest yeah. But as far as, um, you know, the way my, my career panned out, which I think is, you know, part of the collusion that baseball went through, is that once we hit 30, uh, you're just on year-to-year -year deals. Regardless of the types of years you had, you were just – everybody's presented uh, the same one-year deal, the same type of, uh, of pay. Mm. So, you know, it was this kind of pointless to even think about just settling down anywhere besides coming back, playing your, playing your six months, coming back home, and then okay. you know, going through the free agent process again. But, you know, this is part of the game and part of the evolution of how things change. But, um, you know, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't redo anything about my career. Um, San Francisco, you're, you're the first, you're the first round uh, pick, right? And did that mm -hmm. come with some expectations? I mean, you're so young, you're what, 18 years old or something. Yeah. You're the first pick, eyeballs are on you as soon as you show up. Was that that's a lot for a kid that age? Yeah, but like I said, the blessings of in my life was the fact that I had so many great mentors. Mm. And, you know, the guys I worked out with before I even had a chance to get drafted uh, just told me about you know, hey, you, even Eric Eric Davis, Daryl Strawberry, Daryl told me a lot about him being the first pick overall in the, in in the country. And his thing is, man, you gotta stay hungry. Yeah. yeah put all that aside, no matter what happens. Uh, you put, put all that aside and you work your tail off and you get the respect. So I, I just played like that every single day. You know, I felt like I had to earn something. And so it, 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 it again, paved the way for my career, the latter stages, because 
Um, my 17 years, I was a starting shortstop on opening day all 17 years. So I always approached um, spring training as if, you know, I had to earn my spot and, you know, just panned out that, you know, those last four or five years, that was the case. And it was nothing new to me. So if you if you set the tone when I coach my kids, I said, if that's in your DNA, just to go about it hard, go about it the right way and just go out there and try to get better every day, it becomes your DNA and everything else that surrounds you or every everything else that's supposed to be a factor becomes a non-factor. One of the um, uh, nights that I remember, uh, Royce, uh, we'd known each other, you know, when I was JV coach or whatever, and then you're playing for the Giants. I think this picture there is probably like 92, 92, mm -hmm. 93, and you'll see, uh, you'll see my, my face is on that big board out behind you. So it's pretty much Denny Lennon night at Dodger Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. um, so uh, there I was, and as I was walking off, all of a sudden I hear, hey, coach. And I, and I look over and he's and he's like, what happened to your haircut? Because I used to wear my hair like on a flat top or whatever. And then I got such credibility that the starting shortstop for the Giants was calling me out from the dugout. I got to thank you for that. Um, right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Uh, playing for the. I know when you played for the Milwaukee Brewers, I was always like such a big Bob Euchre fan because he's just a gas. That guy, he's so funny. Was he? He was probably still in the booth calling the games and so forth. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. You know, just is. Uh, charismatic as you as you see him on the movies and hilarious you know, commercials and <laughs> you know it's just just a heart and you know uh the face of basically milwaukee baseball yeah uh, it's an icon in the area and you know it's it just been like i said blessed to be in so many great places and uh yuke is one of those special guys that you're you're able to get around and hear all his great stories and you know, he's always got a good one to keep you loose. and <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's, he's an icon just like we had out here with, like, Chick Hearn or whatever. Oh, and, yeah. It's hard to say be a scully, but, you know, in, in in Milwaukee, he's that guy. He's that guy. How about Washington Nationals? Were you aware, like, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they were originally the Montreal Expos, right? Right. And, and so how long had they been the Washington Nationals when you got there? Uh, I think that was in not, uh, maybe the second season or it wow. may have been the inaugural season. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Wild. So uh, what was special about that is I was always close to Frank Robinson, his family. Um, uh, Barbara sold me my house in here in Malibu, and uh, we just always been close. And I would go to games with, with uh, Michelle, Frank, and, and Barbara, and then to play for Frank and uh, have him as my manager was just a blessing. And, Learned a lot, even at that stage of my career. I think, you know, after 2006, I played one more year. But um, just to to be a part of that history with Frank Robinson, uh, one of the very few, obviously, uh, MVPs in both leagues, uh, one of the first African-American managers. So I played for both Dusty Baker and Frank Robinson, which wow. is, you know, when you look back at it, it's like, man, not too many players can say that. And, um, you know, to this day, you know, I just can't believe he's gone. But. It's just, it, like I said, just so many things have been, become blessings in my career, my life, uh, just playing this beautiful game. What a tremendous uh, story that is, too, you having that opportunity to play for those groundbreaking Black Americans. And uh, now you are in this mentor position where you get to work with young people, of, of course, of all colors, but that are coming up through the game. Um, I mean, I mean, that's really got to make you feel like you're carrying on an important tradition. Yeah, and it was tough for me because I, I knew I always wanted to, you know, pass the torches like you're, like you're saying, Denny, and it's very important for me to find a way to do that, not just to my own kids, but 
an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought about pro ball, but obviously I wanted to be with the kids uh, here and here while I had the opportunity. I, I retired at a great time to see my kids grow up. Uh, but uh, debating getting some offers and helping out a little bit here and there in spring training, uh, I got offered this opportunity in high school baseball that, you know, really changed my perspective and really says, told me that this is what, what my true calling was as far as, you know, passing the torch. So uh, working with young kids, uh, helping them, you know, learn the game of baseball, teaching them how to become young men, using baseball as a tool. Uh, Denny, you know how many kids, you, you, you know, young men's lives you touched uh, as a coach. Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's just as gratifying, if not more gratifying, than, uh, you know, my own personal playing career. So um, coaching at Oaks Christian is uh, a, a blessing. Uh, both my boys are in the program now. Uh, Eliza just entered high school, so Eliza's a freshman, Royce is a junior. And uh, just to be, like I said, touching young men's lives is an honor. Wow, that that that, that is it's something else. And it's it, it, the honor is the right word. It's an honor to get this opportunity to have an impact on a young person's life. And, and we know how it works in athletics because they're all in, right? Like when, when you're coaching an athletic team, they're all in. And so you really do have their full undivided attention. And that's that's rare. Uh, for young men or women, you know, to be in a position where they're giving it, they're all to something. Um, I know one of the challenges for being, you know, I just, um, I just was an athletic director for a few years and have stepped in, into this world. But um, one of the challenges for any of my coaches that I were was hiring was keeping the parents at bay. Like in effect, let, having the parents understand that their role is being a parent and and not to guide um, some career that may or may not be what's in their mind. And I think it's really important for somebody like yourself to be able to uh, help young people through that process because they don't want to go against their parents' wishes. So the parents have to navigate this place of being supportive but not getting too involved. Yeah, that's the toughest thing about it. And, you know, that was my fight my first two years uh, coming into the program. And it's not as bad because they – once you start to develop the culture, the culture manifests itself through the players. But, uh, Danny, I, I was really surprised and the question, like, where do these guys come from? You know, because we were raised in a generation where our parents were hardworking. Uh, if they came to the games, it was great. But uh, their, their main objective was to get us through the school for educational purposes. Whatever we did, we did. Um, if there was a problem with the coach, you know, then you had a problem with the coach. It wasn't anything the parent was going to get involved with. Right. So I'm trying to understand where these helicopter parents uh, came to the table, which is, to me, it does a disservice to the development of the young person. Uh, because, you know, through my through the program and what we do, we're trying to teach them accountability. We're trying to teach them from going from boys to young men, um, get out of the selfish state of mind, be a good teammate, be accountable. And it seems like there shouldn't be a fight with the parents about what this means. And the big thing for me where I have a problem is that there's moments and things that happen uh, in various kids' careers when they're playing high school ball. Denny, I'm sure you can reflect on it. And you see a kid making a turn as far as showing some maturity in their very proud moments. And then that parent comes in and says, well, you didn't, you didn't start or you're not the starter, so who cares? And, you know, there's some very uh, things that don't really go in full with what we're taught and brought up 
right. uh, in our in our time. So it's it's it's, it's hard to understand, but we're we're done we've done a better job of articulating what the, uh, the program at Oaks Christian is about, and what my my coaching philosophy is about. It's not about you know this kid becoming a big leaguer or you know going on to play college baseball, or whatever. It's about him becoming a, a good young man, a right. good father, a good son, a good brother, a good si- you know sibling. Absolutely. Uh, all these types of things that really matter, and um, you know everything else takes care of itself. And and you can look at your program with those types of young men, and you know you're going to have a su- successful program. And everybody around it involved with it is going to have success as well. Exactly, and 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 we're you know we're just fortunate that for the most part we got good coaches like yourself who really are interested in the person and then the athlete uh, you know coming coming behind that um you know you, you talked about dusty baker uh being one of your managers and you know somebody you, you probably looked up to imagine if his parents got too involved and got in his head he would have never invented the high five <laughs> right like he did with the yeah. dodgers him and jimmy when they invented the high five and yeah would have right. never happened if his parents were doing all the talking and stuff no. Yeah, no, there's so many things that wouldn't happen if parents were involved, and it's just stuff that <laughs> no, you know, let, let kids be kids, you know. And, yeah. I, and the big thing, I, you know, it's easy for me to to cut that off as a coach when uh, you know I get in the car with my kids. The last thing I want to do is talk about the game. Yeah. <laughs> and so, therefore, I'm not going to talk to them about whatever happened in the game. That's over and done with. Uh, it's time for me to be dad. And you know, what do you want to go eat? You know, and, yeah, and this right. <laughs> the most yeah. important thing, and, and, and you know, parents come to me for advice and say, "What can I do to help uh, my son get to, you know, play college baseball and uh, get to the big leagues or whatever?" And the truth of the matter is, just go sit and be a fan and stay out the way, and let them do what they need to do, and then be a be a mom and a dad to them. That's what they need. That's what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I would love to, um, you know, kind of revisit this conversation. Um, Royce, you know, the, the Wednesday show we do has a little bit, a little bit different of an audience in that it's more, um, high school athletes and parents of those, and then directors and coaches that kind of watch that one that's on Wednesdays and it would be great all the way up through college. And, and so it'd be great if you, if you, you know, if you have time to kind of come on, I'd love to continue this type of conversation, uh, for somebody, especially yeah. like yourself, that's, you know, involved <clears throat> as, as a head uh, baseball coach at a, at a, at a strong program out here in in the southern california area but also somebody who's been through all of these different levels and all of these different challenges yeah and the biggest thing is i'm, I'm going through it with them because i'm a parent mm-hmm. obviously i want my kids to achieve whatever goals they have but you know um one of the biggest things that uh i heard uh in my readings and findings of, of coaching styles and and basically life itself is that um you know you got to welcome the struggle and you yeah. gotta allow your kids to struggle. Yeah. <clears throat> so many of so many of the parents are trying to, you know, avoid the struggle for their kids, which is taking away their true uh, process of how their life is supposed to play out and how they're supposed to develop. So, whenever they're struggling, it's like, okay, well, I'm happy that you're struggling because you're gonna become better from dealing with it correctly, and uh, you know, that's that's a, that's the way we go about it. Absolutely. Um, Brilliant. That's great. I, I would love to continue like this conversation yeah. on, on that show you where it's a little more specific towards, you know, that that group. And um, I think it's been fun going down memory lane a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I know some St. Partner people are going to view this. They're viewing this tonight and are going to view it on the backside uh, when, when it sits there. And they're going to take pride in Royce Clayton 
MLB <laughs> All-Star, baby. And where do you keep your um, World Series ring? You know, I was fortunate that during the fires, um, I lost my home in Malibu. Mm. Uh, so I just put it in a safe deposit box, which I don't know even to this day why I did it. And, uh, you know, because normally it was sitting on my mantle and, you know, I put it on maybe the four or five times, but uh, it may have been like three months before the fires and I just put it up and was fortunate enough to have it put up. When I had um, Tim Leary on the show, he uh, showed off his ring. Nice. And then I had uh, Boom Boom Mancini show off his world championship boxing belt. Oh, that's and, awesome. And you know what I showed them, Royce? Oh, boy. My 1986 Venice Backyard Championship Volleyball Trophy, first place, greatest team ever. <laughs> Me and my cousin, Tony. Tony, right. that's right. Shout out, greatest VBC team ever. It's pretty solid, huh, Royce? That's, that's very solid. <laughs> very <laughs> solid. I'm going to clip that and just keep that. <laughs> I, got, I got Royce validating my uh, Backyard Championship. Hey, Royce, uh, su super appreciate you you're coming on, uh, making the time, and, and also uh, always am – Appreciative of people like yourself that are moving young people forward. No, I appreciate it. And thanks for what you've done. And, uh, you know, my, my history with St. Burns and guys like yourself, or, I'll still call you coach. You I like I mean? that. That's you all know, right. I'll, I'll I wear that Kids are calling me coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's nice, especially when, when they have, like, triplets and then grandkids. And then they go, hey, coach. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for watching and listening. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by Christine Jinbo and me, Marley Rice. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall. Original music courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc., you can find us on audio platforms everywhere and the High School Narrative iOS app. You can also view Denny's shows on Roku, Apple TV, and Fire TV. Make sure to press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show. Hey, you know what else would help us grow the show? Hustle on over to patreon.com slash Denny Lennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and more. We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more. To find all our social media links, hustle on over to sportsstoriesdl.com. SSDL proudly supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement. The My Stuff Bags Foundation, with the help of thousands of people across the country, provides children in unfortunate situations with new belongings and new hope through its innovative My Stuff Bags program. Heroes Movement is a nonprofit that bridges the gap from therapy to getting strong again through small group workouts for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces for free. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We want to give a big thank you to our partners of the show. So, as Coach Lennon would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Sports Stories thanks all of our followers and listeners. And we will, we will see, see you, you next time. time. Hey, thanks, Marley. Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm your typical raccoon. And I like to wash my hands because I get them all dirty. Now, I'm sitting here waiting for sports stories to come on soon. So listen to me. I'm Ronnie the raccoon waiting for sports stories just like you. Kick it out, book. <laughs>